0: Welcome to the Brothers Random Show. My name is Travis. I'm Michael. And we are two ordinary brothers discussing extraordinary things and some random shit. So the topics on this show range from theology, masculinity, movies, philosophy, books, pop culture, and many other subjects. We often talk about the people we admire and the wisdom that they share, Uh, people such as Jordan B. Peterson, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, who we believe is the sage of our time. Michael we got our first guest
1: our first guest nathan diltz welcome sir hey thank you guys i'm glad to be here nathan has been a friend of mine for a very very long time we met through uh your mutual friend my brother uh cody brown and we've both been on the cody brown's show and uh uh been on there here and there here and 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 we actually were in the same religious religious sect yeah for several years i mean for most of my growing up and uh and we just wanted to introduce you i met
2: uh, cody because my wife and his uh, first wife marry our sisters that's how i met cody and that was like 25 years ago so, how old are you now, Michael?
1: I'm thirty-five. So, so, that was, I, mean, so I, mean, I was ten years old. Yeah, ten years old. Yeah, when he was <laughs> a wee little babe. Yep, yep, yep. He just
2: barely popped out.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, you were a baby, Michael. I was the I was the toddler running around. So,
1: <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, Nathan, um, go ahead. And, yeah, introduce yourself. Uh, you know, you're. We we figured you'd kind of walk us through your upbringing in the LDF Church Before, and getting into.
0: Before we do that, Michael, um, I want to just say that uh, Nathan, I I every time I see you, you are the most interesting conversationalist in the room, and I oh. always have one of the best conversations I have with you and because this platform because what we're doing here is conversational we wanted to have you on and this will uh, most likely be a several part series in our on our show uh so audience members can look forward to that but the reason that we wanted to have you on is cuz you're good at this and so Michael uh uh so just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your polygamous um awakening if you want to call it that
2: oh, awakening wow well no pressure so now we're gonna make or break the reputation here in the next <laughs> couple of episodes or we'll find out um yeah uh i you know, it's a funny thing i don't think anybody i think everyone should consider how remarkable their lives really are a- and Oftentimes we don't feel like it because we're living those lives. And certainly there are aspects of life that are monotonous or it's the day-to-day hustle to just provide and, and things, but, um, Well, I think uh, what makes any good conversation is when you're genuinely interested in other people and when you realize how interesting they are because of their diverse backgrounds or experiences and things. And mine, uh, you know, there are times when I reflect on it. It's very interesting. I I felt like I had a very normal childhood. I didn't realize in some ways how – I don't want to say it was – it wasn't strange, uh, uh, but it was – it's definitely – it's something I don't take for granted anymore I, I was born and raised uh, Mormon true blue through and through my mom and her family's pedigree goes clear back to um, the very beginnings of uh, of Mormonism uh, her uh, my ancestors were among the first families uh, to join the church the web uh, black Shop. Uh, in Nauvoo, that's my ancestors. They built the, the wagon uh, wheels and the tools that the saints used to cross the plains to come to Utah after they were driven out of Missouri and then subsequently Nauvoo, Illinois. And so um, it's, uh, it's, and uh, yeah, I'm so LDS. I was actually born in LDS Hospital in Salt Lake City. Uh, we lived uh, eight minutes from the Salt Lake Temple. Uh, my dad was a convert to the church uh, he was exposed to Mormonism in his um, mid-adolescence, joined the church uh, when he was about 17 or 18, went on a mission to Germany, went to BYU, met my mom. They got married. And my dad, when he got back from his mission and graduated from BYU, he needed a job, and he walked into the genealogical library, and uh, he was at the general reference desk. And there was this uh, there was this patron who was looking for help on a genealogical document and it was in german which was where my dad went on his mission and so he translated it and uh and after he helped this patron out uh the fellow at the desk like well what what can i do for you and he says well i'm looking for a job and he says well you got one <laughs> so my dad literally went you know convert mission byu and went straight to work for the church as a church historian and a genealogist and he did that For his entire career, he only retired a couple of years ago. And um, anyway, as a result of that, um, I grew up learning an enormous amount of church history. Uh, We would take uh, vacations in the summer, and we'd drive everywhere for our vacations, and and we'd camp. And uh, while we were driving, my job was to sit next to my dad and— keep them awake by talking to them and we would talk about religion and politics and uh, obviously when it came to religion i got a lot of church history so i was one of these uh, strange kids that like had an inordinate amount of exposure and and knowledge about church history and things in fact there were plenty of times my dad would teach me th- about things in church history and be like now don't bring this up in Sunday school or, <laughs> or, or, uh, free, like, let, don't talk about that. Like, this is for you and me, this is me teaching you. And, oh, okay. So, you know? So even and back so, then,
0: even back then they were, there were, um, the, there were things that they, the church didn't want you come talking about. Right.
2: Right. So my, I'm just going to lay it out. I guess my dad taught me about, uh, the, the Adam God theory, um, back then it was the Adam God theory, which was openly discussed and, and, and debated and talked about at BYU up until that, uh, talk by, I believe it was Spencer W. Kimball, who kind of put a kibosh on that. If I remember right, I might be getting the, the, uh, general authority wrong, but yeah, somebody. For the think- layman, Nathan,
1: would you want to just in, in layman terms real quick, sum up the Adam-God theory? Well, it, it's funny, because if you talk to fundamentalists, they call it the Adam-God doctrine. If
2: you talk to very uh, a small handful of very educated church Mormons, they'll refer to it as the Adam-God theory. Um, and it's essentially, in a nutshell, it's the idea that Adam, uh, the first, uh, the, as in the Adam and Eve Adam, uh, was was God um and i and there's actually quite a bit of debate even among fundamentalists who believe this as a doctrine as to how that's how that specifically is expressed um but you know in the church uh it's i don't think anybody but church historians at this point have or you know there might be a few uh church history buffs or enthusiasts who might have some exposure to it but yeah it's essentially the idea that adam is god and uh so there's that he he told me about he's like this is something that the church used to discuss uh brigham young talked about that used to be debated but then the prophet came out in like i think it was 1985 and said no more debate on this you know we're done debating this and and kind of brushed that aside another thing that my dad taught me about years and years ago uh, was the idea that Jesus might have been married. And it's really funny because, you know, that was, that was another thing that used to be taught in the early days of the church. And then it was uh, very quickly kind of dropped and pushed away. And then uh, with the whole Da Vinci code thing that came out, I, I can't remember when that movie came out, but there's this came this resurgence of, of <laughs> the discussions and little, you know, closeted discussions and debates in church and everything and of course mormon fundamentalists by and large roll their eyes and they're like well yeah great you guys are now interested in the idea you know and, and mormon fundamentalism buys deeply into the idea of jesus is mary because as being married at, from the standpoint of it supporting their views on plural marriage and then like um and so those were the kinds of things i was actually taught about uh, as i was growing up and 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 it was you know, I didn't realize at the time what a blessing it was. I, I was just kind of like, sure, Dad. You know, let's talk about this. And you know, oh, that's interesting. But you know, okay. You know, I won't, I won't melt down my Sunday school teacher or my youth class leader by, hey, did Jesus have plural wives? Like, you're like, okay, all right. I, it's just, and, and he was teaching it to me from a standpoint of not like he was secretly teaching me doctrines contrary to church. He was just like. This, this is you know what happened in church history and he knew about this stuff as a church historian and a genealogist and so he was just teaching me about that and and then i think another interesting aspect of being raised in this combination of my mom and uh, my mother and father was uh uh my dad was a convert uh but uh you know a, a real convert and um and it was interesting though when you work for the church you get to see the more human side and where some of the failings of, of men come into play more than, you know, for most church members, you know, um, the general authorities are these guys who appear from behind the curtain twice a year. They give these real spiritual uplifting talks and they all wear gray suits and red or blue conservative ties. And, you know, and give you these cute, humorous anecdotes and these spiritually uplifting stories, and then they disappear behind the curtain.
1: And there's uh, no, and, there's no like, there's no connection there where they would get to know this person on an individual, personal level.
2: No, and uh, and it's interesting mm-hmm. because, and <laughs> wow, we're we're going to go down some strange roads. I was actually part of the immigration stake. Which has Federal Heights Ward as part of it. I was part of the 27th Ward, uh, Federal Heights, and Immigration Stake was the stake in the ward where most of the apostles and their families and children lived. So I grew up with half the apostles' kids, went to school with half the apostles' kids. I was, I was uh, the I church authorities
0: was, is what you're saying, like the church authorities. That yeah and not just yes. the
2: church authorities i'm yeah. talking about the, the quorum of the 12 apostles
0: yeah, yeah like yeah.
2: like uh president gordon b hinckley his son was my state president his grandson i went to school with him and yeah. we like we were like acquaintances i'm not going to say we're deep friends i mean you know especially yeah. now he's probably like i don't know i didn't know that yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, hopefully he would remember my name at least but yeah we were acquaintances you know and, and i was like I would go to stake functions and, and things and they would be there. And I, and, and it was interesting because um, so there was that whole angle of the experience. Um, but my dad, you know, he, he was interacting with with leaders and general authorities as a, as a church employee who worked in that big tall office building in downtown Salt Lake and in the family history library right. and, and things like that. And and when you get to see somebody you know, working a 40 hour week, you see that when they go to the bathroom, you see when they stub their toe, you know and so it was this interesting thing and and then there was the frustrations he had at work and and he and it was funny cuz my dad would come home and he'd be frustrated about some dumb things that were happening at work like we all experience like like why is my boss doing this stupid thing or why is this stupid thing happening at work and the funny thing was is these stupid things and these stupid bosses were like leaders of the church <laughs> and so you know and so very early on you know it was it was a it was um you know an amazing experience because my dad would have to sit me down and I'd be like, you know, dad, this sounds like it sucks. And like, well, you know, it's frustrating, but you have to realize that the gospel is true, but you know, people make mistakes. And so I grew up in this environment being taught deeply on church history, seeing the warts and the stub toes and the farts and the different things, and then being taught, you know, you have to separate the gospel from people and uh and so you know in a nutshell that was my upbringing and then uh so i was born and raised Salt Lake City Utah like I say born in LDS hospital 8 minutes from the temple in the same warden stakes as half the apostles and their kids and and uh
0: so what brings you this... what brings you around to 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 polygamy uh oh, essentially dude
2: now that's a crazy story um <laughs> uh that that one's a bolt out of the blue cuz like I, I had like even with my dad taught me about polygamy in the history of the church of plural marriages is called. Um, he taught me about it as a historical thing, and then he did what you know most Mormons you know if they're um, informed enough to do they oh well we did that and uh, and then um, and then it was done away with the with the uh, first declaration of the of the search uh, declaration One in the pearl of great Price, and uh and so uh i didn't think about it at all it just wasn't i mean i i think i was more informed just because i knew about it from a historical context but um i certainly i had a vague notion that there were a few people out there but they were cross-eyed inbred sheep herders somewhere in utah and there was like 30 of them and uh and like, that was my notion of, I had no, so you, being born and raised in the heart of the church. Like I didn't like, I learned about the RLDS church, uh, because it was still called that back then. Now it's
1: community church of Christ or community. Yeah. Community church of Christ. Um, and for the layman's uh, that's okay. the church for the layman's. That's the church that when Emma, so when Joseph Smith died, Emma and Brigham Young kind of separated ways. Emma went and, and did the R R E L D S Church and and Brigham Young came out west with the with the Saints and started the, the LDS church. Yeah. And they're probably the largest
2: split off from uh, Brighamite Mormonism. You know, to date. Um, Now, and see, I I did learn about, I actually went and visited the RLDS temple probably when I was about 15 or 16. That's when I got exposed, like, oh. And then I learned that there were actually 12 or 13 split offs at the time of Joseph Smith's death. Uh, And there, but most of them were very minor and disappeared relatively quickly. Uh, It was primarily. The rlds church or what became the rlds church and then what Brigham young led out west to utah uh, but yeah uh but for most of my life up until i had that experience where i went out and, and went to the rlds church like i said i was i think i was 15 or 16 year old when i first met uh, encountered that i didn't realize that there was any other form of mormonism you know to my, and i think realistically Eighty percent, if not more, of the Mormons in the church today probably don't have any clue that there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of fundamentalist Mormons out there of different stripes, and they are, you know, because you're just taught this is the true church, this is the true and living church, and these are the brethren, and and it just doesn't even occur to you that there's anyone else, um, um, and so. And that was me before my mission. Uh, other than that brief exposure to RLDS, um, I didn't, I didn't think about fundamentalists, didn't know they were really there. Like I said, there was this fuzzy notion, but they were those 30 cross-eyed inbred sheep herders in Southern Utah somewhere that were dying off from inbreeding or whatever. And so I go on my mission. Uh, I served a Two-year mission uh, in American Sign Language. I went to LA and New York. It was a tremendous experience. Tremendous experience. And uh, and I come back, and uh, I'm going to Salt Lake Community College to uh, get my um, to get my generals in because that's really cheap. Uh, if you, go, geez, Louise, you go to any university, it's like unbelievably expensive so i was going to go for the cheap credits get my generals done that way i don't have to spend two years on the expensive university and i would do like youth counseling like get my bachelor's in youth counseling and i was going to be a seminary or institute teacher that was my battle plan and uh i'm at institute at salt lake community college redwood campus and uh and I am in this American Sign Language Institute class because I want to keep up my language skills. Right. So I'm, I'm in this class and we're all talking about going to the temple. And there's this redhead at the back of the class who's like, we're all like, hey, let's all go together to class, go to the temple, do, you know, vicarious uh, ordinances and things. And uh, and she and we're like let's do it we're all doing it and then she's like hey you know hey sorry i'm i'm gonna back out and we're like well why (laughs) like good nosy mormons like it doesn't occur to you like mind your own bit like well come on yeah and she's like yeah no and and she's like well i don't have a temple recommend and we're like oh that's easy you just go talk to your bishop you know he'll do a short (laughs) interview and give you a recommend and she's all like yeah well i'm pretty sure that the bishop might not give me a recommend and we're like oh like do we need to talk repentance like what's? <laughs> and she's all like no um and it's like and she's like and she signs me she says she says i'm a she goes like this which is a wedding ring two or three times and i'm and but with the f the letter f as a wedding ring two or three times and I'm like, I'd never seen this sign before. And I'm like, what is this sign? And she spells it out for me, finger spells it, and she's finger spells fundamentalist. And my whole experience on my mission in LA and New York, I'm like fundamentalist. I'm thinking fundamentalist Christian. And I'm like, what? I'm like so confused. Like, what is a fundamentalist Christian? doing in a Mormon, Inst- this would be like hell, like they would be like, this would be the last place you would catch a fundamentalist Christian would be in a Mormon Institute class. So I'm like, so I'm so confused. So like the class gets over and we're all in doing this in sign language and I'm all sitting there walking out with her. I'm like, so you're a fundamentalist, and I'm not connecting. I'm thinking this is the weirdest sign for Christian fundamentalist ever. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not connecting the dots. Like it's, and um, uh, and I'm like, so I'm like, so, you know, you're you're not a member, and she's like, no, I'm I'm not a member. Well, why are you coming to an instant Oh, you know, I believe this stuff, and I want to learn about it. I'm like, well, you believe it, great. So you know that you know. That the, you know, that Jesus Christ is our savior. And she's oh yeah. And I'm like, yeah, great, great. And then you know that Joseph Smith is a is the prophet of God. And she's like, Yeah, I know. I'm like, you do? She's like, Oh yeah. I'm like, well, then, you know, the Book of Mormon's a true book of scripture, right? Along with the Bible, right? And she's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, you do? <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking, great, this is the world. I'm like, and I literally like right on the spot I'm like will you be baptized because <laughs> like i just gotten on my mission so it's like she's got Jesus Christ figured out she's got Joe Smith figured <laughs> out the Book of Mormon figured out the church is true will you be baptized and she's all like uh well no and we're like I'm like why not and I'm like oh oh it's your parents your parents won't allow you it's like well I'm I don't know that they'd be happy but I I think they would be supportive if I chose to. And I'm like, I'm like, what is going on here? And by that time we had to split and go different classes. So I'm like, well, we'll talk later and see you. And and so I go home that night and my dad comes into the living room and I'm like, dad, uh, I had this really weird experience today. He's like, well, what's that? I said, "I I met this fundamentalist. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And he's all like, Christian or Mormon and I'm like Mormon <laughs> you know like, like what is that dad and, and he says well son Mormon fundamentalists are these people that uh, they they wear long prairie dresses they have these funny hairdos and and they live polygamy but beyond that, I really don't know. So you're you're going to go have to find one and ask him if you really want to learn about it. And this was a 100% my, so you need to understand just real quick, it's kind of rewinding just a little bit, but my whole growing up life, I visited dozens of other churches and faiths and religion. Whenever we go on vacation, my dad would just find, if he couldn't find a close LDS ward to go to on Sunday, he just picked a church and we go so i went to buddhist temples i went to uh uh holy rollers evangelists, christian before my mission i had spoken more in other people's churches than i had in lds churches like it's it's an interest and my dad always taught that you know if what you believe is true then you shouldn't be threatened by whatever anyone else has to share it's either true and you accept it or it's not and you learn from it and let it roll off your back. And, uh, and he also taught like that if you really want to learn about somebody else's faith, you need to go find somebody who was striving and practicing that faith and ask them. And so, so when he did that, he gave me this like little synopsis, which funny enough, my wife, er, Oh, I just gave away the plot. That girl that I met later becomes my wife, but that's kind of another story. We'll get to it maybe, but, um, but anyway uh she wasn't wearing a long dress she was dressed normal i didn't realize at the time but she had long pants on long shirt but it was very you know it was fashion forward enough that it wasn't obvious that she was dressing weird and she didn't have weird hair uh so my dad was obviously thinking like flds or short creek but she wasn't either though uh but uh anyway um so she's like, you know, go and I find somebody who believes it and ask him if you really want to know what they believe. It. So I'm like, oh, great. So the next day, I come back and I'm like, I'm ready. I know what's going on now. So, and, I, and then I finally get the sign to like an F for fundamentalist wedding ring tour thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, duh. Yeah. Okay. Now I got it. So I'm heading, uh, I head back to school the next day and uh, I start grilling or I just start questioning her. And, and man, I was pulling out all these like great scriptures rebuking her inviting her to you know repent and and come into the true fold and cast off her iniquitous ways and and she just kept replying like oh you know um yeah what you're saying makes some sense but i just gotta tell you you know this thing i believe i I, I, it's true and i'm like what wait a minute no no sister let me explain to you how this goes i shall bear down in pure testimony to you and you shall cower in spiritual you know humility before the boldness of my testimony and succumb to you know the truth of the of the true and living church and and you know and repent and and uh, but she just kept bearing testimony of me and it was really annoying because i'd come up with these great scriptural things she couldn't answer them but then she'd bear a testimony i'm like oh wait no 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 and uh, Anyway, she what what I didn't know is she would run home and ask her parents and like all these people that she knew, like, okay, he just asked me about this, this and this and this. How do I respond? And she'd collect all the answers and come back the next day and be like, Well, finally, she comes to Institute with this little pamphlet and unbeknownst to me because i'm pretty dense and i don't catch on to the wily ways of sisters she conveniently is sitting there reading from this pamphlet that has strategic things highlighted and she's all like and i'm coming along and i'm like oh what's that and she's like oh this little thing oh this is just a little pamphlet (laughs) would you like to see it and so i'm like yes and i'm like aha i can take this and i'll pull this apart and we'll bring this to a head and repentance and, and the waters of baptism will receive another soul into the celestial kingdom. And so, yeah. So I read, I come home with this pamphlet. I read it over once.
0: What What's this pamphlet? What, what's this pamphlet it's called,
2: called? It's called, it was called celestial poem marriage references.
0: Really? And I put know, it together. Was from, it
1: uh Musser? <laughs> um
2: uh i don't think it was muster i think it was it was a it was literally a compilation of quotes from the journal of discourses from the scriptures and from the teachings of the prophet joe smith And sounds uh, like, a, cr- sounds like a kraut for.
1: book sounds like a kraut it,
2: book it, 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 it has that flavor but i actually i think it was compiled by donna bear no really okay i think so um and so, anyway, it was well, just. Literally I have no idea
0: who it, any of those people are. So
2: yeah, yeah. She used to be a Sunday school in the uh, in the group. She used to be a Sunday school teacher in the group. Um, in fact, I just went to her funeral um, three or four months ago. She was an amazing lady, really cool lady. But I think it was. But it was literally nothing but a pure compilation of, you know, quotes from the Journal of Discourses, scriptures, and and uh, teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith in support of plural marriage. And so that's why it was called plural marriage uh, plural marriage references. It's just literally that's all it was. And I read through once, I read it through twice. And when I set it down, I knew I literally like, um, I knew I was sitting at a crossroads and I, I as clear as day, I knew I had one of two choices. I would either have to put it away Never look at it or anything like it again and go on my merry way with my plans to go get a bachelor's and use counseling, become an institute seminary teacher, find my big sweater Mormon girl at BYU, get married in the Salt Lake Temple, send my, you know, have my four to six children, raise them all, send them on missions and grow old and die, you know, safely tucked in the womb of Mother Church. And uh, that that was the path that way. And then the other path was a big you know i had no idea what was down the other path except that i would have to see if this was possibly true and if if it was true and if uh these things were of god that i'd follow it and here i am <laughs> so so, so
0: yeah, to, to 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 fast forward to 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 where you are now so you so are you are you currently a practicing polygamist? Then,
2: no, uh, I'm not. I, I, uh, at one point uh, for a brief time, I had two wives um, uh, for only about two and a, two and a half years, um, and then there was a year long courtship before that. Um, but uh, yeah, a little a little ways in um, she decided that it wasn't for her and, and decided to take off. And so, uh, ever since then, I, uh, I, and I was married, uh, to my wife for seven years before that happened. And then, uh, afterwards I had a couple more opportunities, but I wasn't in the right place spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. Uh, it was, it was pretty heartbreaking for me when, uh, when that didn't work out. And, uh,
0: Did it shake your faith in the, in the belief in fundamentalism? No. Um, it, it, well, and, and
2: yeah, no, the funny thing was that didn't shake my faith. That was, that was my failing human failing. Um, you know, uh, that didn't shake my faith. Um, and, and it's a funny thing. I, in, in my mind, in my heart, and I, I'd like to think that I'm, everyone likes to think they're reasonably objective. Uh, we all participate in self-delusion to one degree or another. Um, it's just a matter of how, how you can critically stop every once in a while and really examine things. But um, for my part, I feel like I've been a pretty consistent believer in, in terms of my faith and everything. My experience has been, like, uh, my my belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, like, it had its roots in my childhood, but honestly, it really uh, locked in during my my mission. Um, I had a tremendous uh, missionary experience, had tremendous experience in the MTC. I would say my 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 experience of being born again, Alma style, happened while I was in the, uh, not Alma style as in, like, Alma the Younger, but I'm talking about where he talks about a mighty change of heart, that mighty change of heart, um, that being born again experience that happened for me in the MTC. And uh, and then obviously it was confirmed throughout my mission and throughout the rest of my life. And obviously had a strong foundation in my youth. And the funny thing is, is I feel like I've always been true to my testimony and conviction about my faith and my beliefs. What's been strange to me in my life is how things have moved around me. So when I joined the group uh, or what's uh, called now, well, it's still called the group now, but was called by some A to B when I joined it um, 24, 25 years ago, it was a very different thing than what it became later. And, and in fact, in some ways, um, if there was a, I, I was a, I was a, Priesthood uh, quorum advisor or leader in AUB. I was a Sunday school teacher in AUB. I like teaching youth. Youth have always been the my favorite demographic to teach. Young adults. I love teaching young adults. Um, I loathe teaching adults because a they're extraordinarily boring and b they know it all already, and so they're just they're they're rough. Like when I teach adults. The ones who are asleep are asleep. The ones who are awake are just watching you to make sure you get it right. And they're (laughs) going to sit straight when you go off the path. And it's like with youth, I feel like, um, I love it when they engage and they're confrontational and they're, they ask hard questions, but they, I feel like that we're, we're learning together and we're exploring together. And, and they're a lot more open to like, Hey, let's dive into the scriptures together and go explore this together and figure it out. You know, ask me your tough question. Let's go figure it out together. And so I, I, I was, a I was big in teaching the youth. And uh, anyway, um, I ended up teaching, uh, starting to teach a bunch of adult classes at their request which and and basically um there was i started out when owen so rulon was sort of the so short creek split because of rulon all red and short creek and hilldale split and then Rulin in his group and what other fundamentalists call all redders they so and for up. the
1: for the layman's, that's where um, keep sweet, pray and obey those people in the FLDS church, those that was a split, we split at a point with ruling all red. Um, and uh, that went into the Jeff's group. And yep. we, we kind of split, uh, there was a split that went on there, we went our way, they went their way. <clears throat> And
2: ideologically there. ideologically, and spiritually that split was really between the group that the first principle for them was obedience and that's that be sweet and pray and obey that yeah. obedience is first and then what became the ruling or the all red group was agency first so mm-hmm. um, and so
0: uh, have you watched uh, that series uh nathan have you watched the the keeps we pray and obey series
2: I haven't. I, I haven't had it. My exposure okay. was talking. When I first came into the group 24, 25 years ago, there were the the grandma generation, the grandma and grandpa generation, these were folks that were children of, of the raids, like that happened in the 50s when they came and raided the Hilldale, when the Arizona governor literally did a massive police raid and came in and arrested a bunch of people at short Creek and Hilldale, which is the same city. It's just on the Arizona mm-hmm. Utah border. But um, the, their, the, the children were now the grandpas and grandpas and they had stories of their parents, you know, being arrested or running and hiding from, you know, cops and, and federal law enforcement officers and things like that. And then they were also, people who still had family members who were now part of this be sweet pray and obey you know jeff's flds group they literally have family members and like whole say whole huge parts of their family that when that split happened like and i was talking and you know i was picking the brains of you know, these like grandmas and grandpas who, and, and listening to their stories and having me teach me about the history of this group I'd come to join. And, uh, anyways, it was, so when I first joined, it was under Owen. I, I never met Rulin. Rulin had been killed before I joined. Owen was the, was the leader of the Allredder group at that point, or the AUB or the group, whatever you want to call it. He was the
1: leader of the group at the time. And, uh, And you were saying that they they valued agency more than obedience. obedience. Yeah. And in fact, with
2: my own ears, you know, there was, see, when I, when I encountered Mormon fundamentalism, um, because I had been raised so strongly in the church, I wasn't a lot of the doctrines weren't particularly shocking to me because of my background, where I, my dad had been teaching me about what had happened in church history. It was basically just like I was dropped in a time machine and, and shot back to 18, uh, whatever the date on the, uh, of, on the uh, DeLorean was except in 18, you know, 85 at November 2nd, 1885 at 4 PM or what it Right. Like, like, you know, it was literally like just being hopped in a time machine, and I was just seeing what the church was and believed, you know, 150 years earlier kind of a thing. And, uh, and it didn't, like, none of it was surprising to me. I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I mean, that's what the church used to believe, so you still hung on to that, okay. And so I wasn't bothered by any of the doctrines, per se, because um, I had the historical context for a lot of it. But the only question I had was about authority. And as a church, Mormon, you, you know, authority is something they really pound really hard. And it's like, you know, these guys are the, this is the living church. And this is the only place with the authority. And these are the prophets, you know, uh, apostles. And so it's like, my only question was, is, well, okay, I, do you guys have the authority to seal men and women in the new and everlasting covenant, including and, full of marriage? And, and,
1: and, and for the I layman. Suppose, for the layman, on a, that maybe doesn't even know anything about the LDS Church or anything, but for the layman, authority would be basically the right to act in God's name. This is this is how the the, the LDS yeah. Church teaches it: is the right to act in God's name in this way. So if 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 I have the authority, I can do certain things um, that that you may not, right? This is right. where the
0: church gets its idea that it is the only true church. That's that's right. where that's where that comes from, and that's why. Mm-hmm. So so, you know, Catholics and Lutherans they believe that their church is the only the only church too, but they don't preach it all the time. They don't say uh constantly this is the only true church. So well
2: they don't have to because they they came straight from the apostles of Jesus Christ two thousand years ago. Yeah. By their yeah, tradition. Yeah. And uh and since uh Mormonism follows a restorationist model, um, you know, the teachings of the church advocate uh there was a great apostasy about a hundred to two hundred years after the death of Christ and thus requiring a new dispensation or a restoration of priesthood authority to the earth. And that was accomplished through the prophet Joseph Smith by Peter, James and John, and by John the Baptist, uh, or, well, we could have other fun conversations, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, you,
0: you can get really deep into that, but um...
2: yeah, yeah, and we, and we won't dig all that up. But so for me as a church Mormon, I'm like asking myself, you know, are you just a bunch of crazy? Well, man, and, and boy, you know, just as a cultural thing, real quick, I got to tell you, I was blown away. You know, obviously from my prejudice point of view where there was only 30 of you and there was you were all cross-eyed inbred sheep herders in southern Utah that were breeding yourselves out of existence. Like to find out that there's literally thousands, like you know, my uh this gal that introduced me to, you know, these concepts and these principles, you know. We, I started like hanging out and and we'd go places together. And she'd be like, Oh, there's a fundamentalist. There's a fundamentalist. We'd be in a store and she'd like point out three of them. Like, I'm like Lord Frollo in Hunchback of Notre Dame, like lifting up the rock. Like, they're everywhere. You know, it's like, Mm. ah. (laughs) <laughs> who, who knew the shitty? There's just i you know, I was waiting for the the court of miracles to appear where all of you guys dwelt Like it was like it was. I had no I like you don't because you know everyone thinks of, uh, you know, I worked at payless shoe source and you know some short creakers walked in and and the gal I was working with she's like, "Those are oligomists," I'm like, "Oh, okay," and she's like you can tell by the dress and the hair and I'm like oh okay and they don't use cell phones and I'm like what and, and then she leaves to go in the back room and the lady pulls out a cell phone and like calls her <laughs> husband to ask about buying shoes but anyway like, <laughs> but like it was so wild to like like I promise if, if if any of if most church members in Salt Lake are like me where you just are oblivious you have no they're everywhere and you just see them and you're just like wow you know and so that was that was uh, that was an interesting thing about well and they're the they're really air.
0: secretive as well because uh-huh. i mean i don't know what the laws are like now but they can really be prosecuted and they're they're secretive for probably a plethora of reasons but one of the reasons is, is that they like you were saying, in the 1950s, there were a bunch of raids that happened that put a bunch of people in 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 uh, prisons. But one of the reasons that we uh, come to know through the Warren Jeths group, which is obviously a separate group, one of the reasons they're secretive is because they were also farming out children to
2: oh yeah church and-
0: authorities.
2: Yeah, and and a host of other gross wickednesses to be sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you know it's yeah until uh, until uh, the the reality show Sister Wives came out, like it was you know there was a kind of a it was inculturated because of that raid experience and just because of prejudice too. You know when you're not part of the true church and you show up and you're you know it was, you know, it was very off-putting. I, I remember when we joined the group and uh, we were living out in Eagle Mountain and we actually had visiting teachers and home teachers. And finally, at one point, my wife's like, you know what? We should sort of clue them in just, you know, yeah. and, uh, and I was like, well, you know what? Follow the spirit, honey. If you feel like telling them, that's fine. And it was funny. Uh, Cause when she did no joke, all of a sudden like all of the neighbor kids weren't allowed to play with our kids anymore. And it was just, and I'm not saying that near every area and that's not all church Mormons, but it was, it was mind blowing to me having grown up as a, as a dyed in the wool church Mormon to see what prejudice looked like from the other side. Like we were letting our kids play with them. We hadn't adopted this sort of, you know, FLDS view of you're all evil gentiles and outsiders, and we won't Mm -hmm. associate with you if you aren't a part of the truly worthy people. Like we, like we were completely, like open and loving, and our kids played with our neighbors' kids, and and like there were a few families that were still cool with this afterwards, but it was strange. As soon as the visiting teachers and home teachers found out, you know, that we had fundamentalist leanings, it was like, all of a sudden, like our kids went over to play with the neighbor kid next day. And they're like, Oh, my mom says I can't play with you. anymore." And
0: this, this is a painful reminder of where they came from. This is what we like. This is what we like to talk, talk about because, um, occasionally, uh, Michael and I have, talked about this uh but the same thing happened to us my parents were prominent members of our of our of our uh small town and then when they were caught practicing i guess is the best way or leanings the the same thing happened we were basically cut off from the entire community for about i want to say about 10 years
1: yeah yeah i mean i'm going to point out that this prejudice can go both ways cuz my wife will tell the story that um uh that her mom would tell her that she couldn't play with her friends that weren't uh fundamentalists so yeah
0: it goes both ways the prejudice
1: can kind of go yeah either way and, yeah
2: and it's and it's not good in fact uh, years ago i don't know if you guys I might be dating myself here, but uh, I don't know if you remember what blogs were back in the day. You know, back in the when, blogs. When, when the little bird used to tap it out on a stone tablet, you know, on the Flintstone computer. Um, <laughs> I I did a blog and I talked about, um, I wrote a whole essay and I wished I'd saved it. Um, I wrote a whole essay on how society closes a closed society. And it happened shortly after the, uh, the second Short Creek raid, the one that happened back in like the late '90s, I think, with the with the false call into the oh,
1: the Jeffs, yeah, yeah, they talked yeah, about yeah. that in when when they in Texas when they raided the the Jeffs group, yeah, the Yearning for yeah. Zion Ranch, that
2: yep. sorry that one, yeah, not Short Creek, but they were the same group, but it was their Yearning for Zion Ranch in Texas, yeah, when that whole raid happened. I wrote this whole huge essay on the point about how society closes a closed society. And, and one of the arguments I was making there is when we, when, when, when people, it, 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 you know, the cult, you know, they'll do it because they're trying to isolate their members. And that was a little bit of what your mom's experience was. But, you know, to my experience where we were completely open and friendly and like, and we never, you know, pushed our beliefs or, you know did anything inappropriate in terms of like we weren't like sitting there with the neighborhood children like here's a piece of candy and what do you know about polygamy you know it's like that was <laughs> the thing that was going on it was like you know we were just being friendly neighbors and and uh and to see that prejudice go the other way and it's like and you guys you had that experience and and that's what causes you to be gun shy to share you know who and what you are and it allows the opportunity for then groups that go sideways especially hard sideways to easily isolate you because you have this experience with prejudice when you 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 got when you got quills when you extended the hands of you know porcupine quills when you extended the hand of friendship and then all of a sudden your leader comes out and says well now you know we just won't associate with gentile that's not a hard sell for that leader to make if you've experienced that before but if your experience with outsiders has always been positive and loving. Like, oh well, you know that's your thing; that's not ours. But hey, you know we love you, and you know you do you, we'll do us. And and if people are still loving and open, and and really what we should be is Christ-like disciples to each other, then I, I think it would that would do more to undermine the power of these groups. You listen to um, the uh, Darger family. Um, And I remember one interview they did where they talked about how scared they were to take their children to the hospital, you know, when they have broken arms or serious problems because they were worried the hospital staff would find out who and what they were, and then their children would come and be taken from them. And it's like, if you take away that fear by being open and loving and being like, hey, you know if there's a problem, we're here with resources and we love you and we're going to help you and, and do what we can for you. If there's no problem, then great. But, you know, but that kind of fear when, when they, when you encounter prejudice like that, it closes you up and it allows you to be closed off very easily by nefarious leaders. But anyway, Nathan, wow, that was a side bend.
0: So, yeah, um, I want to uh, delve a little bit into that. Why do you, with all the acceptance of our current society right now why do you think that this um that this is the last one that people aren't accepting of because what so, so you can be a man living with another man you can be a woman living with another woman you can marry them in certain states why do you think that this this particular lifestyle choice is so hard for people to to for society to accept the short
2: answer to that like in a nutshell is children and and because there is because the worst examples are are what permeates the social conscience the warren jeffs the the ones that are marrying 12 and 13 year olds and impregnating them or swapping 14 year olds among 80 year old men and all that sort of wickedness um it's it's children and and rightly so like and he's just you know the day we start losing uh losing our revulsion at pedophilia and 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 uh child predatory behavior you know we are in a really really dark dark place and so most people you know up until that recent reality show uh, sister wives you know their only perception of it was that stuff because that was all that was on the national news you know there was they never went and found the normal family where they all got married after 18 and it was all consensual and the families were you know loving and functional to you know a, an acceptable degree and they didn't th- those don't make the news only that dirty old men make the news and so i think that's primarily where that revulsion comes in and it should um that should never be accepted or tolerated in society uh and and i'm the and i think this is a hard thing to talk about uh because i know that was the attitude when i came into the group 25 years ago owen was insisting that people waited until they were at least 18 but he was actually encouraging the young man to be 21 and the young ladies to be 20 that was what i heard with my own ears and um and it was like oh well this is great you know this two thumbs up this is this is you know this makes a lot more you know this is acceptable um however you know i'd be dishonest if i didn't fully disclose the reality that prior to my time in the group i learned later that there had been, you know, marriages of 16 and 17 year olds that had happened in the very group that I was in. And some of that might've been colored by, you know, the fact that the, the Warren Jeff split hadn't fully happened or, mm. you know, and some of that was happening during that tumult where they were, you know, tearing themselves apart. So that's not to make an excuse, but it's like, just being upfront, upfront and honest because You know unless we do get honest uh you know we're going to run into troubles like the church has the church tried for uh you know 50 60 years to kind of brush under the rug the uncomfortable things in church history that they didn't want to address and now it's come back to bite them in the butt and now they're starting to try to come out and be really more honest open transparent try to give context, try to, you know, have upfront discussions about some of the difficult aspects of church history, but it's almost like a day late and a dollar short. Cause it's, you know, for so many members who grew up with the pristine palace and to find out that there's all sorts of mud tracks in the basement, it's, it's ruined yeah. them. And and we run the risk, especially in fundamentalism of doing the same thing. If we aren't honest, if we don't sit there and say, you know, for whatever the reasons, you know, this was stuff that was happening to whatever degree, but yeah. So, but yeah, at least by the time I showed up, Owen was like 18 minimum, and then ideally 21 for the boys and they should be, have a job or a career or know where they're going. And gals should be at least 20. He was, he was encouraging them to be a little more older and
0: mature. And then than he, he was, he was, a, he was way ahead of, uh, most of them in that regard, then, because because yeah. that's it, one of the regular tenets of these groups is that they don't, that they tend to marry young, and mm-hmm. um, that it, uh indoctrinates people a little bit further into it. So,
1: oh, I mean, that just uh, I mean, maybe we just get enough in the weeds here, but couldn't that just be part and parcel of? The way, poly, or it's actually polygyny, right? With one man, several wives, right? That's polygyny. Mm-hmm. That's the techn- uh, yep. technical term for it. Polygamy goes either ways, either way. Yep. But yeah, and with Polygamy being is one woman, multiple guys. Yep. Uh, but 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 being in a polygamist uh, culture, if there's if there's every man that's married even maybe has several wives uh that every so one woman and all the men are eligible right that means there's more competition for that one woman right and if that were the fact, if that were the case wouldn't that drive the man trying to catch her first and that would drive the age lower and lower and lower i'm just talking on a on a just a yeah. societal no,
2: level. That's, a, that's a really interesting observation i i think there's some merit to that argument um and and this is this is why that whole article i wrote about how society closes a closed society and how important it is that we be open and inviting and transparent and things like that is is so important because uh what you're saying i think is true especially in one of those closed societies. And that's where you saw a lot of the action where they would kick out half the boys, the whole lost boys from the FLDS. It was an effort to reduce, you know, the 80 year olds didn't want to compete with the 18 year old. Cause I don't know if I was a 14 year old and I had choice between scraggles, the 80 year old patriarch (laughs) versus, you know, the 18 year old kid I got a crush on, you know, guess who wins that one? Well, the easy way for them to do it is to, uh, is to have scraggles toss out the eighteen year old or the sixteen year old, and it's like, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of that wickedness came from. So I think that that didn't, and and that's you know can be a, uh, yeah, it's a real danger, it's a real reality and risk, uh, and a real source of potential spiritual abuse by
1: its nature.
0: Yeah, and it, this it,
1: stuff it, we might save for because mm-hmm. we were going to talk about in in our a. Uh, uh, coming episode. We were going to talk about, um, so you can lead us back out of the weeds. Yeah, (laughs) right.
0: Well, okay. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, let's try
1: to wrap this one up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's do some final thoughts. Um, uh, thank you, uh, Nathan for being here. We appreciate you, you talking about this. Uh, we're going to to continue this on.
1: We'll, we'll, we'll talk some more. We got, uh, we're going to talk about masculinity and, um, Mormon, history kind of get into that that's uh coming coming next we'll probably do these one week at a time so yeah uh
0: michael what are the socials on that
1: uh we got let me <laughs> um michael you have
2: one job man one job one job
1: <laughs> uh jeez now i can't find him it's uh Hello. Twitter is Hello. brothers. I, thought I told you not to come in here at brothers V random. YouTube is at the brothers random. Instagram is at the brothers random. That should be easy. Okay. just yeah. And then if you want to email us, that's email us. It's, uh, the brothers random V at gmail.com.
0: We're also on Spotify and Apple podcasts and, uh, this uh will be part one. Keep reading, keep listening, keep watching, keep learning. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys.
2: To be random or not to be random. That's <laughs> the question. Whether to no logic